Hello everybody, it is Michael back with another episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. I really do appreciate you guys' support so much. The new episode is doing great. We're getting more downloads than we ever had. This has been a career month for me, and I just really appreciate your guys' support a ton. It really motivates me to keep working hard on the on the show. We got a bunch of great stuff coming up. Uh, and yeah, let's get right into this episode. We got a lot to talk about. First thing I will talk about is my top 10 shooting guards in the NBA. Uh, I want to start off with some honorable mentions for this. My first honorable mention being uh, one that's a little bit weird. We got Victor Oladipo. He's in a very weird crossroad in his career right now as he is on the last year of his contract and he's coming off uh, an injury-led season where he only played 19 games and was very very underwhelming in those games uh and i just don't know what to think about victor aldipo at this point in his career because he's obviously a very talented player uh no one could take anything away from him just as a talent uh but the injuries have been a big issue and he just hasn't looked the same ever since he's uh tried to come back I kind of give him a pass for this season because he clearly didn't want to be in the bubble. He only went there because he was going to miss out on $3.5 million, uh, if he didn't go to the bubble, so I completely understand that. And he just looked so off. He had some nice flashes, but he could never just string together a consistent couple of games. Uh, even though right before the stop, he was uh, looking better and did have... Uh, some nice moments where he had like a couple good games in a row and that maybe could have led to a nice streak of uh, games in a row but this season he only averaged 14 and a half points about four rebounds three assists on atrocious efficiency shooting under 40 percent from the field three point shot about 32 percent and yeah i just really have no clue what to think about victor oladipo because uh, he can either go two ways where he could go back to his most improved players season where he was phenomenal. He was one of the best shooting guards in the league, averaged 23 points, shot 37% from uh, three on nearly six attempts a game, uh, got t- almost two and a half steals and was one of the best defensive guards in the league, a solid playmaker as well. He did so many great things during that most improved player season. And then the... Uh, next year he was still good uh, but he that was the season he got injured and he did dip a little bit in efficiency uh, and his scoring but it was nothing really to worry about Uh, and then this season he was just not good simply enough so I'm gonna be very interested to see what happens with him Uh, we have heard the rumors that he does want to be traded out of Indiana and uh, a team that could trade for him like the Dallas Mavericks I could see him being put in the perfect position being uh, with one of the best uh, point guards and one of the best playmakers in the league in Luka Doncic with a great stretch big in Chris Hasperzingis and with a really good coaching staff and culture over there in Dallas. And I could see him having a phenomenal season. I could see him getting paid by Dallas or another team. Uh, or I could also see him staying in Indiana or getting traded to a different team maybe and him just having a bit of a a mid-season I expect him to be better than he was this season because he'll be healthy but maybe he only averages like 16 and a half points on decent efficiency he's still a good defender and that's still obviously a valuable player to have on your team but it's not the old Victor Oladipo that we saw that really stood out and just was incredible so very very interested to see what happens with him and that's why I just have him as an honorable mention he could either go down 
or he could uh, skyrocket back into this uh, top 10 and be one of the best shooting guards in the league again. We're just going to have to see what happens in this next season. Next honorable mention we do have is Marcus Smart of the Boston Celtics. Uh, he is one of those players that statistically is really never going to stand out. Uh, if you just look at raw stats, 12.9 points, about uh, four rebounds, about five assists on really bad efficiency from the field, only shooting 37.5%, de- decent efficiency from three with uh, nearly 35% per, per game, which is uh, definitely an improvement, especially considering the volume volume he shot him on with him shooting uh, about six and a half a game. That was impressive. Uh, it's really his two-point percentage that kills him and that kills his efficiency with him only shooting uh, 41.5% uh, from two-point range. But the thing uh, that is obviously great about Marcus Smart is all the intangibles he brings to the game. He is such a valuable player for this Boston Celtics team. And like I said, it's something that is really just never going to show up in the stats. Uh, he's one of the best defensive guards in the league, and I don't think anyone can make an argument against that as he is just so incredible on that side of the ball. His ferociousness is uh, something that's really admirable as he's always uh, putting in full effort and you're never going to have to worry about him slacking on the defensive end at all. He's always going to be that guy who makes the hustle plays. We saw so many incredible hustle plays uh, in this past season. The one that uh, I remember the most and the one that just stands out to me so much is the play where he uh, got the steal and he dove and uh, hit it off Kawhi Leonard's foot uh, to give the Celtics the possession back in a really uh, intense overtime game with the Celtics and the Clippers early in the season. Those type of plays is what makes you love Marcus Smart. Uh, And sometimes Marcus Smart is definitely going to be frustrating. Uh, He's very, very streaky as a three-point shooter. It either feels like he's one of the best three-point shooters in the league or he's one of the worst, depending on the night. Uh, And he's going to take them. And that's just the Marcus Smart experience. And that's why uh, his impact is always going to be limited because he's simply not a super talented offensive player. And his uh, decision-making can definitely be, be put into question a lot of times. But still, a really good season for Marcus Smart. Uh, the best role player in the league, in my opinion, uh, and is so, so much more impactful than the stats will ever show. Just the perfect glue guy that any team would want, the perfect defensive player, and a player who can be streaky on offense sometimes and can put up uh, big spurts of points or can put up almost nothing. Also a decent playmaker, a part of his game that I feel is pretty underrated. Uh, Even though Jason Tatum at the very end of the season in the playoffs really stepped up as a Celtics true number one uh, playmaker, Marcus Smart was uh, that for most of the season, especially with the Celtics having Kemba Walker at the point guard position, who has just historically never been a great uh, facilitator. Having Marcus Smart definitely helps, and I love having him on my team. Marcus Smart is an incredible player for any team to have. That's why I have him as an honorable mention. Uh, next honorable mention, we got Karis LeVert coming off of a bit of a weird season. As it was just kind of weird uh, as a whole for the Nets as obviously they dealt with a lot of injuries. Uh, Kevin Durant was out. Kyrie Irving was uh, not really playing that much. And uh, Karis LeVert still had a good season with uh, all these things that happened. He averaged uh, nearly 19 points per game. Uh, about four rebounds, four and a half assists. I feel like it went, honestly, pretty underrated. Uh, he was just very, very solid for this Brooklyn Nets team. Uh, him and Spencer Dinwiddie uh, were really those, and I'd say Jared Allen, were 
the stability for the Brooklyn Nets this year that still allowed them to be a decent team with all the injuries that they were dealing with. Would definitely like to see Karis LeVert improve on the defensive end. as That's not something he's great at. Would like to see him uh, improve as a free throw shooter. Uh, just historically throughout his career, he's never shot over uh, 72%. So that's something he can definitely improve on. We saw his playmaking take a big step when uh, the uh, they basically had no one on that team during the bubble, and he was getting a lot of double teams thrown at him, especially in that Toronto Raptors series. And he really showed some good things as a playmaker. Had multiple uh, double-digit or near-double-digit uh, assist games. Uh, we also saw his offense take a step uh, before the playoffs for sure when he uh, looked really, really good. Uh, looked like a very, very just skilled offensive player. And we all knew Karis LeVert had this. But I just wanted to see it be fully unlocked, and I think we saw that. I'll be interested to see if he gets traded for sure. So that's something that's been thrown around a lot. And I think it makes sense just due to him not being a great uh, off-ball player. He's really never been the best catch-and-shoot player. If you look at his percentages, they've been below average throughout his career. Uh, he's more of a guy that you want with the ball in his hands creating for himself, and he's shown the ability to do that. So I'm sure plenty of franchises uh, would definitely uh, step forward and love to get a guy like Karis LeVert. Uh, with the Nets trying to get a third uh, bona fide star, I'm just, again, so interested to see what happens with Karis LeVert. Because I still think he could fit with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, but I think a more uh, defensive-oriented guy who's a better off-ball player would just uh, fit that team more, as they're definitely going to need uh, some players on the defensive end. Uh, they do have a very good defensive center in, Car uh, in Jared Allen, uh, Kyrie Irving, very poor defender. Kevin Durant uh, has been a good defender in the past, and I expect him to be a good defender still just due to his length, and he always has been a guy who put uh, puts effort on that end. But I definitely could see him taking a bit of a step back due to his injury. They probably don't want to put a ton of load on him. And, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to see what happens with Karis Silver and the Nets next season. They're in a super interesting spot, and Karis is in a very interesting spot in his career, as he has been a player who's dealt with injuries throughout his whole career, really. Uh, he only started 31 games this year and only played 45, uh, but I definitely saw some nice things in those games. Uh, in the playoffs, averaged uh, 20.3 points uh, on decent efficiency, too. Uh, Especially from the three-point line, his two-point shot really struggled. Like I said, he was being double-teamed a ton. He averaged nine and a half assists, and I like Karis Silver a ton. Uh, he's one of my honorable mentions for the top ten shooting guards in the league. Next, we got Buddy Heald, uh, another player coming off a very, very weird season. As he was benched uh, in the middle of the season for Bogdan Bogdanovich, which I think was the right move. And we saw the Kings uh, take a step up and be uh, a little bit better with Bogdan Bogdanovich in the starting lineup. But Buddy Heald is still a very, very valuable and very talented player as he is uh, easily one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Absolutely no argument uh, can be made about that. He is just incredible as a three-point shooter. Shot 9.6 per game and nearly shot 40%. I feel like a lot of people really just don't fully appreciate how incredible he has is as a three-point shooter. Has never shot uh, under 35%, and he really takes a high volume. Takes a lot of difficult ones, too. Off the dribble, uh, uh, difficult ones off the catch-and-shoot. He's just so, so valuable. And I think a lot of teams, 
Uh, would definitely love to have Buddy Heald on their roster just because of that. I could definitely see him get traded as he's seemed to be very frustrated with the Sacramento Kings and with their coach Luke Walton and with the decisions he's made, which I can definitely understand. I think Luke Walton is a terrible coach, and I think that move uh, is something that really messed up their franchise. So I definitely understand where he's coming from. But he's at the end of the day, he's also got to play better. He, as good of a as he is as a three-point shooter, is a pretty one-dimensional player. Uh, he really can only shoot threes, and he can do some other things, sometimes can get in the mid-range area, but he doesn't get to the basket really at all. He only averaged 1.9 free throw attempts per game. Uh, doesn't really do much as a playmaker, even though he's decent. His handle isn't anything special. Uh, he does have a decent ability in the pick and roll, but nothing that really stands out. Uh, on the defensive end, he's really nothing. Uh, probably a net negative on that side of the ball. So uh, I would definitely like to just see him diversify his game. Uh, but what he does now is still going to be valuable for whatever team he's on. Uh, you could argue that the contract he's on is a bit bad. Uh, just with how much he's getting paid, like I said, to be a pretty one-dimensional player. But I'm still uh, going to expect teams to go after him. Uh, maybe we could see uh, Victor Oladipo trade with him. There's a bunch of things that can happen with Buddy Heald. And I think he is a talented player who is valuable. But I do have questions about his game. I have questions about that contract. And his future with the Kings is definitely uncertain. Next player... And my last honorable mention, we got Shea Gilders-Alexander coming off of a really, really impressive second season where he averaged 19 points, uh, about six rebounds, about three and a half assists on very good uh, defense, very solid shooting splits. Just a great season for Shea Gilders-Alexander, man. He's such a smooth player. Uh, is a player that's never going to wow you with his athleticism, and that is one thing that's holding him back a little bit, is that he really doesn't have that burst to uh, get to the basket like some players, but he's in a very Luka Doncic way-like, uh, even though those players aren't the most athletic. They're so crafty and just so smart uh, with what they do that they can still get to the basket. Shea has a very, very nice Euro step. He and he just does everything at his own pace. He's so methodical and slow with everything, but it really works. We see him be able to get to the basket decently. He averaged five uh, free throw attempts a game, which I really like to see, as that's something I value a ton out of players. Uh, his three-point shot is something that's a bit on and off and a bit inconsistent, but he still shot around 35% on about 3.6 per attempts, uh, attempts per game. Would definitely like to see the volume go up and his percentage go up, uh, but that's something he's working on. Would like to see him uh, become a better playmaker, too. Uh, it's interesting how he was a, a full-time point guard last year, and he did uh, play shooting guard, obviously, more with Chris Paul, Dennis Schroeder on his roster, but he still just isn't a very good playmaker yet. Uh, really just doesn't seem to be able to make those elite-level reads uh, that guys like Chris Paul can make. So hopefully that's something that can develop, but I still love the season that Shagel just Alexander had. He's just... Like I said, such a smooth, methodical player who does everything at his own pace, never go, uh, rushes anything, never goes too fast, and is just a really, really solid player who any team would want. Super young guy who still has room to grow, uh, can even become a better defender even though he's already been very solid. I love that Chris 
uh, Paul was his mentor this past season. I think Chris Paul is one of the smartest basketball minds that we've ever seen, and I think that'll definitely be something that helps Shea Gilts Alexander in his future. They seem to have a really good relationship, so I like that a ton. And I like the direction that Shea Gilders Alexander's career is going in. He is going to be a player who's either going to be in contention or is going to be in this top 10 shooting guard or point guard if he switches back to a point guard for a long time. And I just love his future. Number 10, we got Zach Levine of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, a very, very interesting player for me as... I obviously know he is incredibly talented, especially on the offensive end. Uh, he's really become one of the most refined, just uh, efficient offensive players that we've seen in the league today. Uh, his three-point shooting is something that I think is extremely underrated, as people do not realize this man is easily one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Shot uh, eight attempts per game and shot 38%. That's really, really special has showed the ability to expand his range and hit really deep threes that just make him impossible to guard. When he catches fire in games like that uh, Charlotte Hornets game where he hit 13 threes, he's just really unguardable. We all know about his athleticism as he's just one of the most athletic players in the entire NBA. His leaping ability is out of this world. He's very fast, can blow by defenders with ease. His handle is something that's pretty impressive as well. And just overall, his offense is so, so good. Good free throw shooter, uh, decent at getting to the line. His playmaking is something that I'm a bit iffy on, as sometimes he definitely can show flashes and will have stretches of games where he's looking like a very good playmaker. Uh, but then some games he can uh, just have his head down way too much, miss open teammates, and it can be a bit ugly. Uh, but I think that's something he's growing on. I think that's something he is continuing to improve. Uh, I just hope he can take that Devin Booker step that we saw where it's just continuing to round out your game, continuing to become a, more of an all-around player. Would definitely, definitely like to see him become better on the defensive end as he has all the tools. Uh, and uh, even sometimes he has the effort, but a lot of times he does just seem lost out there and doesn't know what he's doing. And then sometimes the effort can definitely be iffy, but still a young player who has room to grow. I think uh, this upcoming season will definitely be a prove-it season for Zach Levine as he has a much better coach. I blame a lot of the Bulls issues last year on Jim Boylan as he's, I think, one of the worst coaches we've ever seen uh, be an NBA coach. He's just atrocious, had zero control of that locker room, and then just had no idea what to do with his players out there. So I think Billy Donovan, who is a proven coach, who I don't exactly love as a coach, uh, but has proven that he can win regular season games. The playoff record uh, and some of his playoff decisions are definitely iffy, uh, but his regular season, uh, he has a good track record. He's worked with uh, multiple very talented guards. We saw uh, last year that he was willing to throw out a three-guard lineup. We could see something like that with the Bulls with maybe Kobe White, Zach Levine, and Thomas Sadoransky. I think that could make a dynamic offense. And uh, I think Zach Levine's in for a good season. It's, like I said, a prove-it one with a better coach uh, and with young players developing around him. I think this team can be good, and I think Zach Levine is very good. Uh, I just think this is his time to prove that he can be a player that, as your best player, you can win games with. Because even though he's put up the stats, he's put up great efficiency, he's proven he can be a great offensive talent. We just need to see the winning come in. 
And I think he can do that this season for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, number nine, we have CJ McCollum coming off a bit of an interesting season as it was a weird one uh, for the Portland Trailblazers with all the injuries that they dealt with. Uh, the expectations were a bit lowered and he still uh, was good, even though at some points it just felt like he didn't have that impact on the game. We definitely did see uh, later in the season and in the bubble uh, him have some massive games. He had that huge game uh, against the Memphis Grizzlies. That was big uh, for them getting into the pl- uh, the play-in. He averaged about 22 points, four rebounds, four and a half assists on really good efficiency. Uh, 45% from the field, nearly 38% from three. Uh, oddly, his uh, free throw shooting did take a pretty big dip uh, as it has been uh, very good for these past couple years, but he uh, only... Uh, averaged about 75.7% from the line. Uh, doesn't really get to the line too often, which is something I'd like to see him um, get uh, do more. But still, a great, great offensive player whose game is just super refined. He is so, so talented on that end of the floor. With his ability to handle the ball, he is uh, just one of the best ball handlers in the league. He has the ability to hit those really, really tough shots that are super valuable for teams. Uh, those end-of-the-shot-clock uh, shots, those step-back threes, those mid-ranges. And when he catches fire, uh, he's basically unguardable. Uh, and, yeah, he's coming off of a pretty impressive season. Uh, definitely had to step up in certain games where Damian Lillard was injured, where they're dealing with other injuries. And I just think uh, even though that backcourt of Damian Lillard and C.J. McCollum hasn't led to much playoff success, we've seen it lead to regular season success and those two guys just make up a super, super dynamic backcourt uh, that is ridiculous offensively, and CJ's a big part of that. Uh, his playmaking is something that's pretty solid as well. I just think CJ is such a talented offensive player uh, who is super valuable for the Trailblazers team. Uh, I think at some point we may have to see CJ and Dame split up, uh, but this front office doesn't seem to be willing to, which is understandable because, like I said, super dynamic offense with these two. And we saw in previous games before that they can also win playoff games with uh, these two. CJ had some great offensive performances against the Denver Nuggets where he was looking like one of the best players in the entire league. Uh, he was going crazy in that series, in a series where Damian Lillard kind of struggled and uh, really wasn't himself. We saw CJ just step up a ton, uh, and I like CJ's game a lot. I expect him to have another good season uh, next year as he's just super consistent. I don't think he's really going to be an all-star player. That's something that he may just miss out on always, which is tough because he's so good. Uh, but in a stacked Western Conference with so many great guards, it's really hard to make it. But he's always going to be a guy that uh, should be in somewhat contention and will always be on the fringe. And is just a great, great player uh, for a team that I think is going to have a good season next year. Next, we got Jalen Brown of my Boston Celtics. Uh, he came off a very, very good season. Uh, I think he was definitely a bit underrated in the most improved player conversation as he went up from 13 points to about 20 points per game. Uh, was a super efficient three-point shooter, uh, shot almost six a game and shot 38%. And we just saw him take 
a big, big leap on the offensive side of the ball. His handle is the thing that definitely stood out the most to me as far as his improvement, as his handle had really limited him in uh, previous years where it uh, seemed like he was just way behind the curve as a ball handler, uh, and he uh, improved that a ton. He refined that. Uh, And it really allowed him to become a much more dynamic offensive player. We saw him uh, be able to initiate the offense a lot more for himself. Definitely would like to see him become better as a playmaker as he averages more turnovers than assists. And he did show uh, some signs, but it just never was really consistent. Uh, But I still love what Jalen Brown brings to this Boston Celtics team. He's super valuable for them. Uh, and his offense is something that took a big leap. His defense, while uh, can sometimes be a bit lost on the off-ball uh, side of defense, his on-ball defense is something that's really impressive. Uh, he really gets uh, added on that at, at side of the ball with him being super athletic, uh, strong, good wingspan, and the effort. He's just bound to be a very, very good defender. And I just love Jalen Brown so much. I love the big step that he took. And he is well worth that contract. Is going to be a player that's going to be on this Boston Celtics team for a while. Uh, still young and still has room to grow. I would just uh, like to see his aggressiveness uh, come up a little bit. As a lot of times, he was the best player uh, for the Celtics in the playoffs. Obviously, Jason Tatum is still their overall best player. And that's not really an argument. But Jalen Brown uh, solidified himself as that second guy, and he just needs to be more aggressive because sometimes he would allow himself to disappear when it's like, bro, you're so talented. Please be aggressive because we know what you're capable of. He averaged about 22 points per game. Three-point shot wasn't great as he only shot about 36%, but he was just doing everything out there for the Boston Celtics and did everything that they could ask. So... I love the season that Jalen Brown's coming up off of. Still has things he can work on. Uh, The free throw shooting, his handle could get even better. Uh, His aggressiveness could become better. His off-ball defense. Uh, But even if he just stays the same where he is, uh, he is going to be an all-star level player uh, who's in that conversation a lot and is going to be the Celtics' uh, second-best player behind uh, Jason Tatum. Number... Uh, six, I think it is, or seven. Uh, yeah, number seven, we got Drew Holiday of the New Orleans Pelicans. Not coming off of a phenomenal statistical season, as he only averaged 19 points, about five rebounds, and about six and a half assists, which is still very, very good uh, stats. His three-point shot is something that comes and goes and uh, can be very good some games, but isn't something that's uh, very consistent at all. His free throw shooting is something uh, that it has been historically pretty good, but was definitely worse this season with him only shooting about 71%. But I absolutely love what he brings to the game for this Pelicans team. He brings a lot of uh, nice veteran leadership, and I think he's someone that, even though has been in rumors of being traded, I think it's someone they should keep uh, just because of how valuable he is. Uh, he is obviously one of the best defensive players in the whole league. Uh, I think him, Ben Simmons, Marcus Smart uh, are all 
should be in that conversation for being the best defensive guard in the league. It absolutely blows my mind how he didn't make an all-defensive team, and a guy like Patrick Beverly could make it over him. I think that's disgraceful because Drew Holiday is just ridiculous on the defensive side of the ball, and his offense is still very, very solid. His playmaking is something that I feel like uh, goes really under the radar, and it's really impressive with him being next to Lonzo Ball, who's one of the better uh, playmakers in the league, him uh, still having the capability to average 6.7 assists per game is just super impressive. Uh, Three-point shot, like I said, is something that comes and goes, uh, but he can get to the basket at a decent rate, can shoot the mid-range well, and just brings a lot for this Pelicans team. Uh like I said, I don't think they should trade him, but if they would trade him, they would get a lot of value out of that because a team like the Denver Nuggets would absolutely love a Drew Holiday on their team. There's just so many teams that would love Drew Holiday, and I think that shows us value. That's why I have him as the number seven shooting guard in the NBA. Number six, we got a guy that's been criticized a ton, and honestly, I'm just sick and tired of believing of. Uh, him in the playoffs and that is Paul George and this is a very very weird thing for me to do as Paul George is an incredibly talented player who's had some phenomenal seasons Uh, last year uh, he had a 28 point per game season where he was looking like an MVP candidate Uh, but this year he really just wasn't that same player dealt with a lot of injuries Uh, Still had a decent regular season with him, averaging about 21.5 points. He is one of the better three-point shooters in the entire league, has proven that consistently. He shot nearly 10 attempts in 2019 and shot about 39%, shot about 8 attempts this year and shot 41%. uh, And definitely can't take that away from him at all, as that is something that he, in the regular season at least, has been very consistent with. Uh, Obviously is a great defender one of the better defenders in the league, especially at that wing position. Uh, we see, we've we seen that with him being in the defensive player of the year conversation him being in the top five range multiple times in his career. So he's definitely valuable on that side of the ball, but health is something that's been an issue as he's dealt with the shoulder injuries and he dealt with a bunch of just miscellaneous uh, injuries in this uh, past season with him having like hamstring injuries. It was just a whole bunch of stuff with him. And at certain points, I think they were just resting him as well. Uh, But it's the playoffs that he's been criticized for a ton and that he deserves to be criticized for a ton. Uh, In this previous playoffs, he averaged uh, about 20 points, which obviously is decent. But he shot only about 40% from the field. And the three-point shooting, which is something that is super valuable about his game and is something uh, that is usually very consistent, is something that... In the past, a couple of playoffs has just fallen off completely. In 2019, he shot only about 32%. In this uh, previous season, he averaged, uh, he only shot about 33% in the playoffs. He's just super, super inconsistent. And you absolutely cannot have that. Uh, he had an atrocious game seven, which was topped off by him hitting the side of a backboard on a corner three. He's one of those players where his confidence really comes and goes, and uh, he really seems to be one of those players that definitely gets his gets in his own head a lot, 
and uh, that definitely causes him some struggles. We saw in uh, 2018 him having a terrible closeout game where Russell Westbrook almost carried uh, the Thunder to a win against the Jazz where he shot like one for 11 or something. Uh, there's just been so many bad moments for Paul George uh, in the playoffs, and I'm sick and tired of uh, continuing continuously believing in him so until he proves to me that he can be consistent in the playoffs uh, I'm not going to believe in him simple enough and I think he deserves all the criticism he's getting even though it can be hard on him uh, you simply got to play better especially when you're uh, a max contract player who the Clippers traded a ton for they traded seven first round picks they went all in on this and you were a big reason why they failed, even sometimes on the defensive end. We saw him in uh, the series against the Mavericks multiple times getting torched by Luka Doncic. Uh, so he just is a player that I can't believe in going into the playoffs anymore. And I'm just sick of constantly being like, oh, Paul George is one of the 15 to 10 best players in the league. And then him underperforming in the playoffs. So until he proves something to me, I'm just not going to believe in him, simple enough. At the number five shooting guard in the league, I have Donovan Mitchell. Coming off a very, very good playoff run where in only seven games, as he did blow a 3-1 lead, which was completely not his fault at all. He had basically zero offensive help around him and was doing absolutely everything for this team. He was incredible in that playoffs. He... And Jamal Murray had one of the best duels that I've ever seen. He averaged 36 points per game in the playoffs, uh, 51% from three on over nine attempts per game, shot 53% from the field, was just absolutely ridiculous in the seven games he played in. Uh, Also showed some great signs as a playmaker as he was making some passes that the old Donovan Mitchell would have made and that were just really, really impressive. So I got to give all the props in the world to Donovan Mitchell for the playoffs that he had. Again, it was seven games, small sample size, but I think we did see him elevate to a whole new level. Uh, Obviously, he was good. He came off a good regular season. He averaged 24 points, about four and a half rebounds, about four and a half assists on good efficiency. Uh, But it was just like, It just felt like more of the same for Donovan Mitchell. It didn't seem like we saw him take that uh, next step as he averaged nearly identical stats to what he had previously uh, in last year. The efficiency definitely improved, uh, but it only improved slightly. And it was just like, okay, when are you going to step up and really be that guy? And I think in the playoffs, we saw him be that guy. Obviously, I don't think he's going to average 37 points per game in uh, next year's regular season. And even if he doesn't take a massive leap statistically, if he maybe just steps up to 26 points per game, about four rebounds, five assists on uh, similar efficiency, then I think we see the value in Donovan Mitchell. Uh, I'd like to see the playmaking continue to come better and If he can uh, continue to show the signs that he did as a playmaker in the playoffs, that's going to be very, very valuable uh, for the Utah Jazz team. And I just love what I saw from Donovan Mitchell last year. He proved me wrong in a lot of ways as I'd been a person to criticize him a lot. Just because I didn't feel like he 
uh, took much of a step at all. Even since his rookie season, like, it was a lot of times, like, he was just taking more shots. uh, And he had improved, clearly, but it wasn't enough improvement for me to really believe in him. But an incredible playoff run for him. Uh, Definitely reassured a lot of my confidence in him. And I think he's in for a big season next year. The next person we have is Devin Booker, a player that has been compared a ton to Donovan Mitchell. And uh, the playoffs definitely closened the gap for me. But Devin Booker is still that dude. I had to put him over Donovan Mitchell. He is absolutely incredible. We saw in the 8-0 run that the Bubbles Bubbles Suns had, uh, we saw him really step up. We saw him hit that crazy buzzer beater against the Clippers, which was one of the uh, best moments of the season and was uh, just truly special. It was an amazing, amazing run from Devin Booker and the Suns. And even just before that, he had a great season. Dude averaged about 26.5 points, four rebounds, and six and a half assists on nearly 50% for the field at 49%. Uh, Three-point shot is something that is honestly a little bit overrated as coming into the league he was known as a sharpshooter but he's really just never been an incredible three-point shooter he's had years where he averaged about 38 percent uh but what he really is great at is uh getting to the basket he uh got almost seven and a half free throw attempts per game and shot about 92 percent which is just incredible uh he got 6.7 uh, points per game from that that's so so good for him and then he is an absolute killer in the mid-range uh, his mid-range ability is something that's really special and when he's on fire he's just really unguardable with all the moves that he can go to is a great ball handler and the big leap we saw from donovan mitchell is as a playmaker his playmaking ability is so so outstanding uh he's become one of those guys who I think is an elite playmaker, even though statistically he only averaged uh, six and a half per game, which isn't anything super special. But keep in mind, he had rookie Rubio next to him, who averaged about nine assists per game and is one of the best playmakers in the whole league and has been that ever since he's came into the league. And he still averaged that many assists. He makes some truly, truly special passes. I saw that multiple times where it's like, yeah, that's elite level uh, vision that only guys like Chris Paul, Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Ben Simmons, uh, even Ricky Rubio, uh, he was on that level of those guys who we all know are the some of the best playmakers in the league. And even so, statistically, he averaged uh, basically the same exact stats he did last year. I think he rose up to a whole nother level. I think... That bubble run was just fantastic. Uh, I think his offensive game is something that has become unguardable, especially with him as a playmaker. Uh, as defense, it's something you just uh, have to kind of accept that Devin Booker is going to destroy you. And I think he's in for a big season next year. I think he's going to average like 27.5 points, about seven assists. On good efficiency, I think the Suns are going to be contending for the playoffs. And I just love what's in future for Devin Booker. Still a super, super young player, even though it's 
Uh, it felt like he's been in the league for a while, as he kind of has. He came in as a really young player. Uh, he still has growing to do. Uh, if he becomes better on the defensive end, which is something he already has, is he, he's showing more effort uh, with the Suns being a more competitive team. Uh, yeah, he's just absolutely incredible, and it's coming off a great season. Number three shooting guard in the league, we got Bradley Beal of the Washington Wizards. Coming off a career year where he, uh, even though he was on a terrible team who really didn't win uh, many games, he was still really impressive uh, for this Wizards team. Averaged about 30.5 points, 6 assists on uh, pretty good efficiency, especially uh, giving the context of uh, just the lack of help he had around him. His help was pretty, pretty bad. Uh, did have some nice players and guys like Thomas Bryan, guys like Davis Bertans. Uh, but overall, he had to really carry a lot of the load uh, for the Wizards. And I think we saw his game elevate to a whole new level. Uh, yeah, 30 and a half points is just so incredible. He had multiple just huge outings. Uh, he had... Uh, multiple 50-point games in a row uh, where even though he did lose some of those games, it's still just a spectacle to watch. And he kept the Wizards in a lot of games that only a truly, truly special player could do with the roster that they had. Uh, we saw him take a lot of three-pointers, and even though per the percentage wasn't anything crazy, uh, again, you have to put context to everything. And those were a lot of difficult shots. A lot of step back shots. So with him shooting the percentage he did on the volume, that's impressive. Got to the free throw line eight times per game and uh, was really efficient. Uh, got 6.8 points per game just from free throws. Uh, his passing was pretty good. And that's something that he's definitely uh, become a lot better as. Uh, just with more and more experience. And I think he's proven he can be a number one uh, guy or a number two guy on a championship team if he ever got traded to a team like the Denver Nuggets I think he would make a ridiculous team there and would make a crazy dynamic duel with Nikola Jokic or if he stays with this Wizards team and John Wall comes back healthy uh, from everything we've heard he seems uh, very healthy uh, he's had a lot of time to rest especially with uh, this extended break, he's had even more time to just get his body in the best shape he can be. And even though I don't think he's going to be the incredible John Wall that we've seen in previous years, where he was like a 23-point and 11-assist guy, I think he could still be good. And I think this Withers team can be a team that is going to be contending for the playoffs. So uh, I just love what Bradley Beal uh, has shown up as. And he uh, is... Just an incredible player who had a great season last year. Number two, we got Clay Thompson. Uh, definitely am so excited to see this man back on the court. Just one of the most electrifying players in the whole league, especially when he's hot. Uh, he missed the whole season with an ACL tear. But he's another player, uh, just like John Wall, who's uh, this extra time he has off is definitely going to be a big advantage to him as he can really get fully healthy uh even though an acl tear isn't as bad as it would have been a long time ago where the technology wasn't nearly uh, as good as it was now it's still a serious injury but it's something he can come back off of we've seen so many players uh now come back off of acl injuries 
the only thing that really worries me is that if this uh, could potentially lead to other injuries, but he is a player who uh, doesn't really put himself in the position to get injured that often. Uh, that ACL tear was just a freak play where he was going up for a dunk and he got fouled, then he landed on his knee the wrong way. It, he's not like Derrick Rose, where Derrick Rose's ACL tear, even though I feel like people kind of overstate that and act like that's exactly the reason like his career was over, his career uh, uh, derailed a lot because those ACL injuries led to a lot of other injuries because he landed wrong a lot. He put himself in that position. Clay Thompson's never going to do that. He's going to be a player who's uh, going to be mostly a 3 and D guy, even though he has shown a better ability to create his uh, own shot for himself. He shoots a lot more mid-ranges nowadays, which he's very efficient at, and I think his offensive game is something uh, that's going to uh, take a big step next year, to be honest, especially uh, with the loss of Kevin Durant uh, and with them just not having as good of a team as they used to, I think him and Steph are both in for a massive season. I could see him averaging about 25 points per game. Uh, obviously, we know he's one of the greatest three-point shooters to ever play the game. Uh, his consistently shot over 40% from three, has never shot under 40%, which is so impressive considering he's always been a player who takes them on high volume. He uh, for a long time, has taken about seven to eight threes a game. Uh, like I said, he takes more mid-ranges now. Uh, even though his ball handling is something that's very lackluster and that's something that he's just never really improved on a ton, he doesn't really have to because he's just so good at moving off the ball. Is uh, such a big gravity for any defense to pay attention to. Uh, his defense is obviously something that we all know about as he's just that prototypical three and d guy who is just so good at three-point shooting very good at defense and can do some other things that he's the perfect fit for any team and he's the perfect fit next to a guy like stephen curry so i just love uh, what clay thompson brings to the game i think he's in for a phenomenal season next year even though i definitely like to see him be more consistent as he's one of the players uh, that I feel like doesn't get as much criticism as other stars in the league do, as he's sometimes just not held to as high of a standard. But we've seen some playoffs where he's just been really bad. I think in the 2017 playoffs it was, he averaged like 15 points per game or something. Uh, he definitely has to be more consistent in that. Yeah, it was 2017, he averaged 15 points per game on under 40% from the field, on about 39% from three, which is... Uh, still good, but the volume just wasn't there. And yeah, he's got to be more consistent, but he's still that dude. And I believe in Clay Thompson. We saw last time he was on the court playing some great basketball. Uh, and we saw him last uh, time he was on the court. He almost was a big reason why the Warriors could have come uh, back uh, from 3 1 down to the Toronto Raptors. He was having a crazy game six. Uh, before he got injured, uh, Game Slicks Clay was in full effect, and I'm just really excited to see this man on the court. Uh, my number two shooting guard in the league. That was an easy decision for me. And number one, everybody knew this was coming. This is so obvious. It is James Harden of the Houston Rockets. I mean, what can I say? One of the greatest offensive players we've ever seen. Average 
over 34 points uh, last season, and it felt like kind of a down season. That just shows how high of a standard and how ridiculous of an offensive player James Harden is. Uh, one of the better playmakers in the league has always been uh, around a seven-assist guy, uh, pretty decent rebounder, has improved a ton as a defender, which is something that I feel like sometimes goes a bit under the radar. He's a super strong player, and that definitely helps him on that side of the ball. He's a player who basically never misses games and is always healthy, always shows up for his team as he's consistently played over 70 games uh, per year, uh, every single year. Even though his uh, three-point percentage will never be super high, he is one of the best three-point shooters in the league, which I feel like people really don't understand the full grasp of. But this man in uh, 2019 shot over 13 threes a game and shot almost 37%. That is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, We all know his ability to get to the free throw line. He gets uh, almost 10 points per game basically every single season just off free throws alone, uh, which is something that obviously helps his offense a lot and makes him super efficient. Uh, There's just not much I could say about James Harden because we all know his greatness. We all know how incredible he is. I definitely want to see him used more as an off-ball player as I think that can unlock his game more. I'd like to see him in more pick and rolls as he's ridiculous in the pick and roll. And like I said, his playmaking is very, very good. Uh, but yeah, James Harden is just so, so talented. Would like to see him step up a bit more in, uh, some playoff moments. It's like, if you look at his playoff numbers, they're all very good. Uh, but it's like, it's just certain moments where you just want him to step up a little more and be a little bit better. But obviously James Harden's the number one shooting guard in the league. Literally no debate against that. I'm going to take... Uh, break and I'll be right back to talk uh, about some NBA news and then some NFL stuff. Okay, I am back to talk about the Pelicans hiring Stan Van Gundy to a multiple year deal to be the next coach of their team. And this to me is a very, very interesting move and something that I have uh, pretty mixed feelings on as I would have loved to see a guy like Kenny Atkinson be hired for them. I thought Kenny Atkinson was the perfect fit, especially after he didn't get hired by the Bulls. I was like, it just makes so much sense. You got a very, very young core over there. You got a lot of players who uh, could be impactful players in the league who uh, are a bit unproven. Obviously, we know Zion is going to be incredible as long as he stays healthy. Brandon Ingram is a proven all-star. Alonzo uh, Ball is a very uh, streaky player, but showed some really good signs last year, and I think he's going to be in for another good season. Uh, but you got guys like Jackson Hayes, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, uh, whoever they pick this year, who are unproven and still uh, have a lot of growth to do. So I thought Kenny Atkinson, a guy who has proven that he is uh, phenomenal at developing young players, is phenomenal at building a culture, and is a pretty decent X's and O's coach. I thought he was just the perfect fit uh, for them. But Stan Van Gundy is an interesting hire for them. And uh, I do like a lot of the things that Stan Van Gundy does, as he was a person who was very ahead of the curve, uh, as far as a person who put... Uh, all shooters around Dwight Howard back in the Orlando Magic days. Uh, he used a guy like Hito Turkaloo, and uh, that really shows that he does have a modern uh, mind when it comes to basketball. And we saw how effective that was with the Orlando Magic, just putting four shooters around a dominant player in Dwight Howard, who was one of the best players in the league at that point. 
and even though I think Stan Van Gundy, uh, as a general manager and someone as in the front office, uh, isn't good at all, and we saw that with the Detroit Pistons, uh, I think just uh, strictly as a coach, he is a guy who uh, can make some smart coaching decisions. Uh, I think we'll see a lot of Zion at center uh, with them, and we'll see a lot of the same philosophies that he did have with the Orlando Magic. And I've always wanted to see uh, more Zion William at center because I think he could be very dominant there. And I think that could make a super dynamic lineup that will be very, very hard to guard with maybe Lonzo at the one, Drew Holiday at the two, at the two, a guy like Josh Hart at the three, Brandon Ingram at the four, and then Zion at the five. I think that'd make an incredible lineup. And, uh, I mean, this ta- this Pelicans team has a lot of talent. They got a lot of good personnel on their roster. They got veterans. Uh, a guy like J.J. Redick, who is obviously one of the best con- shooters in the league and has uh, consistently done that. You got Drew Holiday, one of the best shooting guards in the league, a phenomenal defender. Uh, Lonzo Ball, very good playmaker, very good defender, improving three-point shooter. Brandon Ingram, uh, great, great scorer. Uh, would like to see him improve on some of the other parts of his game. Definitely want to see him take a step defensively and maybe uh, become a little bit better as a playmaker, even though he's shown some good signs there. Uh, and then Zion is someone who uh, was very dominant in the games that he did play, but he played them in the games due to uh, his health. And then in some of the games he did play, especially in the bubble, he looked very overweight. And that was something that was definitely a bit nerve-wracking. But I just do uh, like this hire. It's not my favorite hire in the world, but I think he can bring a lot of uh, the philosophies that he did in previous teams. He's uh, consistently proven to be a very good defensive coach, which is something that this team definitely needs as they were uh, one of the worst defensive teams in the league, especially when uh, in the bubble, which was very disappointing as they have a lot of personnel on their roster that uh, should make them a good defensive team, but there was just something really wrong with them in the bubble. Uh, they seemed completely out of it with Alvin Gentry. It made all the sense of the world for them uh, to fire him, especially with just how disappointing they were in a very, very uh, easy schedule. They were atrocious. And I think the Pelicans are in for a big uh, season next year. Uh, I think they could make some trades. Uh, I'd be interested to see who they get in the draft, if they could get... Uh, a very good shooter that'd be uh, something that i like to see there's plenty of good shooters in this draft uh, maybe they would reach on a guy like tyrell terry uh there's just so many good shooters in this draft that they could get maybe get a guy like sadiq bay who i'm a big fan of uh there's a lot of guys that would be perfect for them uh in this draft maybe they could get a josh green who isn't the best shooter but has shown potential and is very good on the defensive end uh there's a lot of directions that they could go Maybe a guy like Devin Vassell slips to them. I think that'd be a phenomenal pick for them. Uh, Aaron Nesmith would be perfect as he's uh, one of the best shooters in the draft and came off a great offensive season last year uh, in his last college season at Vanderbilt. There's a lot of directions that this Pel- Pelicans team can go in, but as long as they keep the nucleus that they already have and uh, stick with some nice veterans, maybe you re-sign a guy like Derek Favors or maybe you try and make a move for a guy like uh, Miles Turner who is the prototypical center you want next to Zion Williamson, a guy who can uh, really space the floor, defend the rim very well, and just kind of get out of his way. Uh, There's a lot of directions that they can go in, and I think this is a decent one with Stan Van Gundy with a lot of the things that he does bring to the game in basketball. He's obviously a very smart mind. Uh, He commentated he's uh, been very involved in basketball, so 
it's exciting to see him be a coach. And even though it's not my favorite hiring in the world, especially uh, like when I first heard the news, I was pretty let down by it. But the more and more I thought about it, and then the more I read about like uh, his old philosophies, because I didn't know about them, but I didn't really know the full impact of them. I like the hiring more and more, and I think it's a good hiring uh, for the New Orleans Pelicans. Next, we are going to talk about Giants versus Eagles. The Eagles have taken the lead in the atrocious, uh, atrocious NFC East uh, at 2-4-1, and one, and they did pull out a very, very close win against the New York Giants in this one. Uh, first, starting off on the Giants side, Daniel Jones actually had a very solid game. I uh, had uh, 20 for 30 completions, 187 yards, two touchdowns, uh, and one interception. He probably should have had another touchdown or should have got them farther in the field. But Evan Ingram made an atrocious drop on on a play that could have been massive and could have been a play to win them the game. Uh, but Evan Ingram is just one of those players who, even though he's physically very, very talented, one of the most physically talented players uh, in the league with his size and athleticism at, a tight, at the tight end position, uh, his drops are a big issue and have been a consistent problem uh, for this Giants team. Daniel Jones also had 92 yards on the ground. He obviously had that huge 80-yard run where he did end up uh, stumbling and falling, uh, but that was still a phenomenal play, and it really showed that athleticism that he does have. I think he's been over-criticized a lot. Uh, he really doesn't have many weapons, and his team overall just isn't very good at all, uh, but he's still playing some decent football. Uh, the interceptions are still... Uh, an issue and he's far far from perfect uh, fumbling is a big issue and that was something we saw at the end of the game where he uh, fumbled in a, a crucial situation that um, basically uh, handed the Eagles the win uh, and that was very sad to see but Golden Tate did make an incredible catch on uh, and a very good touchdown he only had one reception though uh, I've heard rumors that they they may be looking to trade him, which is interesting, as he is an older player, so it makes complete sense. I think a team like the Patriots, who clearly need receiver help, would be willing uh, to maybe give them some draft compensation. Uh, and I just I do like uh, some of the players on this Giants team, and they uh, have done a good job of at least staying in most of their games. Uh, they beat the football team previously. They stayed in the game against the Rams. They were very close in this game. So as long as they can keep fighting, uh, I think Joe Judge has been a very solid coach for them. Uh, maybe he isn't the best play caller in the world, even though I think he's a pretty solid one. But I think he's just done a good job of rallying these guys together and making them play hard every single game. Uh, and I just want to see guys like Evan Ingram take a bigger step because uh, Darius Slayton has proven that he can be a number one a receiver and has been incredible for this Giants team, even though he didn't have a great game in this one. Uh, and obviously, when Saquon Barkley is back next year, he's their franchise running back. He's incredible. Uh, but Evan Ingram's got to be better because, like I said, with his athleticism uh, and his size, he could be so, so good. But he just hasn't been able to put everything together yet. And then on the Eagles side, uh, we did see a pretty decent game from Carson Wentz, especially down the stretch. Uh, I got to give him all the props in the world for what he was able to do down the stretch. Uh, he had 25 for 44, uh, 43 completions, about 360 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. Uh, did also have a touchdown on the ground to start the game. And he's doing this with very, very weak weapons. Uh, Travis Fulgham has been a great surprise for them so far and has been really incredible 
uh, impressive for this team and has just been so, so nice for them. Deshaun Jackson uh, looks like he'll be out for most of the season after a really ugly play where it was a bit of a late hit. And uh, I think uh, we just heard the information that he had, I think it was a broken ankle or uh, something similar to that some type of ankle injury so prayers out to him that's going to be a big loss for this Eagles team as they just can't seem to stay healthy at all this offensive line that's so talented continues to be injured and continues to put Carson Wentz in bad situations because you're having backups who just aren't very good playing uh and Carson Wentz definitely had some beautiful balls like I said to close the game he was really impressive uh that ball he had to caught uh Boston Scott was just an absolute dime and it's one of those throws that he makes like once a game that just really shows you the talent that he has and really puts you in complete awe like that's a perfect ball a good catch by Boston Scott too uh to win the game for them and I just want to see um more stuff like that on a consistent basis because this is the frustrating frustrating thing about Carson Wentz is that he's obviously very talented you cannot take away his talent at all he is one of the most talented players in the NFL but he has a lot of mental issues that uh, just limit his talent and lim- limit his ability on the field. Like that interception that he had was atrocious. He literally just chucked it up when no one was open. It was just an awful throw. There's multiple times where he needs to throw uh, the ball away, but he's trying to hold on. He's trying to extend the play and make a magical play. And one time I remember he got like an intentional grounding and then others he's getting sacked. Or he's getting, or even if he's just getting hit, he needs to throw uh, the ball away earlier. A lot of times, like I said, he can make terrible throws uh, where it's just a bad decision. And sometimes, even if the ball is good, a lot of the time the ball is good, but the decision is so bad that it uh, overshadows him actually making a good throw. So I definitely want to see Carson Wentz just be more consistent. But he is dealing with an injured offensive line, injured receiving core. And uh, you got to put context into that for sure. Uh, And I mean, the Eagles are at the top of an atrocious division, uh, which is a good thing. uh, But they're still just not a very convincing team at all. I mean, it's going to be them or the Cowboys, and both of them haven't really looked like uh, anything. They both barely beat this Giants team. Uh, The Cowboys looked absolutely atrocious uh, in the game they previously played. So... uh, the Eagles can definitely win this division, but they're far from a great team. And I just want to see a little bit more from Carson Wentz, even though I will give him props when he's uh, making magical plays like he will uh, once a game at least. Uh, next, I do want to talk about the potential of Antonio Brown being signed by the Seattle Seahawks and what that would do for this team. So uh, this is a rumor that has been very, very public uh, recently, and I think it's something that would be just a crazy move for the Seattle Seahawks team. Obviously, Antonio Brown has had a lot of off-the-field stuff, He's and, and he's made a lot of dumb decisions, simply enough. He's made a lot of terrible decisions that have jeopardized his football career. He was, hum- uh, he was suspended for these eight games, and that suspension is ending soon, so that's why we're starting to hear these rumors. And it's really sad to see what happened to Antonio Brown. He just made a lot of really dumb decisions. He was obviously signed by my Patriots last year, and I was really looking forward to it as uh, he looked great in the game he did play. Uh, but due to his bad decision-making, uh, he was cut by the Patriots very quickly, 
and hasn't been in the NFL since. Uh, but we all know that Antonio Brown is easily one of the most talented players and one of the most talented receivers we've ever seen. Uh, he is, even if he never plays another NFL game, he's one of the greatest receivers to ever touch the NFL. And if the Seahawks can get an Antonio Brown, who's making better decisions off the field and who is not causing a bunch of trouble, they are going to be potentially the greatest offense we've ever seen. And that is by no means an exaggeration at all. Russell Wilson is having an MVP season and has looked like the best player in the NFL. I would obviously still give that to Patrick Bones as he's having a great season too. But just as far as this season, it's easily Russell Wilson. He's been the MVP so far. He's been incredible. He makes so many ridiculous throws. Uh, is so great at escaping pressure. Uh, very athletic and can run the ball very well. Just is uh, such a smart and incredible player. Uh, Tyler Lockett in my opinion, the most underrated receiver in the NFL. You can basically pencil him in for at least like 75 yards a game. He is absolutely incredible and has been so, so consistent for the Seahawks team. He, You can always expect a good year from Tyler Lockett. DK Metcalf has really broken out after an already very good rookie season, has broken out to be one of the best receivers in the NFL and is just completely dominating, uh, has some of the most receiving yards, some of the most receiving touchdowns. He's just been an absolute monster this year. He has that ridiculous uh, size and athleticism mixture that is just impossible to guard, especially with him refining his route running and then Russell Wilson just always putting him in the best spot and the great coaching that they have that has allowed him to uh, maximize his talent. They have uh, a very, very good running game. Uh, and that's something that has been consistently, consistently very good for them. And uh, even though they've relied on it less this year, uh, it's still something that I think uh, they can go back on whenever they need it. Chris Carson is so, so good and is another player that's very underrated and very good. And then if they add Antonio Brown... To this offense, who's a guy who in the offseason worked with Russell Wilson, he has a good relationship with Russell Wilson, he has a good relationship with the backup quarterback, uh, this team is going to be absolutely ridiculous. It already is a very good team that could fight for a Super Bowl, and if they sign Antonio Brown and if he has everything mentally right, uh, and he hasn't really been talking on social media much, it's been a lot of silence, which is a good thing from him. Uh, because there was a stretch where he was just nonstop talking on social media, and every other day it seems like he's putting himself in a worse and worse situation. But yeah, if they get Antonio Brown, which I at this point I kind of expect them to uh, do so, they're gonna be, in my opinion, probably the greatest offense ever. Uh, I haven't really like researched this a ton, so maybe there was some offense a long time ago that had some crazy talent that I don't know about. But with them already being arguably the best offense in the NFL, and then you add Antonio Brown, who's one of the greatest receivers of all time, and is a ridiculous route runner, is extremely athletic, and just does everything so well. He has phenomenal hands. He's just a damn near perfect receiver. If they can add that to this uh, offense, it's going to be so insane. And obviously their defense is something uh, that needs help. Jamal Adams coming back from injury is definitely going to be a huge thing for them uh, as he's obviously one of the best uh, safeties in the NFL. Uh, but their uh, 
overall their uh, secondary isn't great as the neither the free safety or cornerback position is uh, super good, even though they have some solid corner corners. And then the big issue about their team is they really don't get much pressure on the quarterback at all. That defensive line could definitely have some help. But they do have talent on that side of the ball. And if, again, if they get Antonio Brown, they're going to have, in my opinion, the greatest offense of all time. So as long as their defense is passable, and it should be with a lot of talent on that side of the ball. They got, with Bobby Wagner and Jamal Adams, like, that's already a very good foundation. And then you got other solid players, uh, like Shaquille Griffin. Uh, There's some decent uh, pieces on that side of the ball. And... Yeah, I really, really am excited about this. I hope Antonio Brown has everything mentally figured out. And I hope he's going to be a Seattle Seahawk because they're a team that's easy for me to root for as Russell Wilson is such a likable guy. uh, And I just like a lot of their players on that team. I love DK Metcalf. uh, And I just love the direction that this team is going in. It's really, really exciting to see them potentially getting Antonio Brown. Next, I want to talk about Yannick Ngakwe being traded to the Ravens for really not that much value, honestly. They only had to give up a third uh, and a conditional fifth round pick to the Vikings, who uh, obviously recently traded for Yannick Ngakwe, too. He he really didn't play that much for them. He only played six games, but he was honestly very, very impressive in those six games he played. Uh, he got five sacks, two forced fumbles. He was really good for them, and I think he's going to be absolutely incredible for this Ravens team. He just makes that defensive line, which was already very good, uh, even more talented. Uh, he's teaming up with his former uh, uh, player that he played with in Jacksonville, which is going to be really, really exciting to see Calais Campbell and him coming off the edge. That's going to make a deadly, just absolutely deadly uh, duo yet again. Uh, This Ravens defense is already so good. They're so well coached. And this just adds another player who is a real playmaker, uh, a very, very talented player who, even though he's been traded twice, uh, that's not due to a lack of talent at all. That's due to the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars being in a bad situation with him where he did not want to be there at all. And they were trying to get rid of all their uh, slightly older players for uh, draft capital and younger players. And then the Vikings being in a position where it looks like they may try and blow it up as this team uh, has really struggled so far this season. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them trying to deal a guy like Adam Thielen, especially uh, with the Dalvin Cook injury. They're just a terrible team right now, so it kind of makes sense for him to get traded, especially if they don't want to pay him. But I think the Ravens are going to pay him, and I think uh, he's going to be a massive addition to that team. I would still uh, love them to get some more help for uh, Lamar Jackson at, uh, at the receiver position. They did sign Des Bryant to their practice squad. I don't really know if that's going to do anything, as he is uh, pretty old and has been out of the NFL for a little bit, but if he can be a good receiver, then that's perfect for them. And I just love this pickup for the Ravens. It's so, so perfect for them. This defensive line is going to be absolutely ridiculous. They have a very good front seven. Patrick Queen is a player that's very talented and is improving a lot each week. We saw him have a huge week last one. And yeah, this Ravens team is very, very good. I'm still not a huge believer in them, but if they just keep trying to make moves like this, I think this is very good for them. Next, I want to talk about something that I feel like I have a bit of a uh, interesting perspective that I haven't heard many people say, and it's why Tua 
Tungavailoa has been named the starting quarterback for the Miami Dolphins and them benching Ryan Fitzpatrick. I would say most people's reactions, at least from what I've seen, is a lot of confusion and a lot of people wondering, why is Ryan Fitzpatrick being benched? He's been so good so far this season. And I can completely agree with that. Uh, the Miami Dolphins are gaining some momentum. They are 3-3 three and three currently, the number two team uh, in the AFC East. Uh, over a struggling Patriots team and just barely behind uh, Bill's team who hasn't looked nearly as good in these past couple of weeks. But this completely just shows me that uh, Tua Tungavailoa has been showing great things in practice and that he is a player that is going to be very good immediately uh, because, again, if Ryan Fitzpatrick was playing terrible football... Uh, then it would just make sense for them to put him in. But with Ryan Fitzpatrick playing the way he is, with him playing some very good football currently, it shows me that this isn't something they're just doing because they want to tank the rest of the season and uh, because Ryan Fitzpatrick's playing awful. And uh, you know what? Let's Might as well play the young guy. They're playing competitive football with a, a quarterback who's been playing very well. And they are still starting to a tongue of a low. We've obviously seen a very limited sample size as he's only thrown two passes so far at the very end of the game. But we saw in college Tua Tungavailoa be one of the most talented uh, quarterbacks we've seen in a while. Let's not forget there was the whole tank for Tua uh, thing that was going on before all of his injuries and before Joe Burrow had arguably the greatest college season we've ever th- seen. It was... Uh, ununanimous that Tua Tungavailoa was the best quarterback in college football and he's very very talented a super smart guy a guy that could be a Drew Brees type of person uh, and is someone who from all accounts is a great guy in the locker room as well and like I said he has to be showing great things in practice uh, because also uh, even more flame to the fire for me He's been a guy that's been injured before, and the first game he's playing after their bye week, they're playing the Rams and Aaron Donald, who is the best offensive player in the NFL, and uh, one of the best players in the NFL as a whole, and who's having a ridiculous season. They're putting their trust into Tua against a very good Rams team with the best defensive player in the NFL on it, and they have all their trust in the world in him, so... I'm very, very excited to see Tua Tungavailoa, and I think he's going to play excellent. Uh, I think he's going to really just remind a lot of people who he is, because I feel like a lot of people have forgotten, and it's easy forget- to forget. There's so much happening in the NFL right now. Uh, Justin Herbert is playing incredible football for uh, the Chargers. Joe Burrow has been playing great for the Bengals. Uh, there's just so many storylines that it's easy to forget that just a couple of years ago, we all were all in on Tua Tagovailoa, and uh, we're all saying he was going to be the number one quarterback. He was playing on a ridiculous Alabama team that did phenomenal, and I think he's sh- uh, he's shown great things in practice for this Miami Dolphins team. I think they have their full belief in him. I think uh, they know that he's their franchise guy, and with them playing the way they are, I think they know that they can win games with him and that they can stay competitive in a division where even though there's talented teams, the Patriots, even though uh, they've been a bit disappointing uh, after two uh, back-to-back losses with last week's loss being very bad and the Bills who started off very hot uh, and have slowed down a little bit, 
they think they can still be competitive with Tua at their starting quarterback, and they're not giving him an easy team. It's not like they're playing the Jets next week and they're starting him. That would give me a little bit less confidence, and it'd be like, oh, uh, let's just see what he does against an awful team. No, they're putting him against a good team when they're getting momentum and they're playing good football. So I think that's what a lot of people just aren't talking about with this Tua Tungavailoa being started. And I really, really like this move, and I'm so excited to see him play football because I just haven't seen him play in a while. As I'm not the biggest college guy, uh, but from all the highlights I've watched, everything I've read up about him, uh, everything I learned about him going into the draft, he's going to be a great player. Lastly, I want to talk about a Bleacher Report article that we're going to uh, read and talk about, and it's every NFL team's biggest priority at the trade deadline. So first, starting off with the Arizona Cardinals, it's finding a replacement for Chandler Jones. And this makes complete sense as Chandler Jones uh, was one of the best pass rushers in the entire league last year. He had like 17 or so sacks. He was absolutely incredible last year. But he is going to be out for the rest of the season uh, with a torn biceps, which is a huge loss for them. And even though they have done a good job so far uh, filling the void just as like a... Uh, do it all together as a team and not really one player uh, filling the voice for him. I think they could definitely still use a better pass rusher to continue uh, to get after the quarterback. They are a team that wants to be competitive. They are a team that has the potential to make a playoffs, even though they're in a very tough division. And I do uh, completely agree with Bleacher Report on this. And I think it'd be a good move for the Arizona Cardinals to try and find a replacement for Chandler Jones and try and find another guy uh, who can really rush the quarterback uh, in such a dominant way like he did the previous season. Uh, for the Atlanta Falcons, we got uh, gauge of the value of the veterans. Another thing that I completely agree with, uh, if I were the Falcons, I'm blowing it up, to be honest. Uh, Dan Quinn has been an awful coach, and he was fired, uh, which I think is a, a good move for them, and they're going in a different direction. I do like that a lot, but at this point... Uh, I think it's time to try and get value out of these older players, and they do have a lot of older players that are talented on their roster. Alex Mack is one of the, has been one of the better centers in the league for a long time now. Julio Jones is still the best receiver in the whole NFL, uh, and I think you get a tremendous amount of value for him, even though he's an aging player on a big contract. Uh, I think a team like the Patriots would throw the kitchen sink at the Atlanta Falcons if they learned that Julio Jones was available. Uh, I could see... Uh, Matt Ryan being traded for some value I could see uh, I've heard this idea of uh, the Colts trading uh, Philip Rivers and like a second or third round pick uh, for Matt Ryan I think that'd be a good move for both sides as Philip Rivers is on a shorter contract and they could just let him go after that Matt Ryan's on a bit of a longer contract and he's definitely a better player at this point in their career than Philip Rivers so I would like that move and I would just like to see them get some draft capital uh, there's going to be some very talented quarterbacks in the upcoming draft. Uh, there's just a lot of talented players in this upcoming draft. There's guys like Jalen Waddle that maybe they could get to replace a guy like Julio Jones. And obviously they're not going to be good, as good as Julio Jones because he's one of the best receivers ever. Uh, they could still get replace uh, guys that could replace that and fill in that void and make them a younger team and really give them a direction because that's a big issue that I have with the Falcons right now is that they just seem like they have a uh, big lack of direction uh, and don't really know where they're going because they're even though they're losing it's not like they're trying to tank it's they're trying to win but they're not winning so that's a big issue for them uh, next for the Baltimore Ravens we got add more targets for Lamar Jackson I've been very adamant about this and have uh, talked about this multiple 
uh, times that I really think the Ravens do need to get a number one guy for Lamar Jackson. They have good tight ends, and they have some good receivers. Guys like Hollywood Brown I like a lot. Uh, Mark Andrews has been a bit disappointing this season, but I think he's still a talented player. But I think a true number one receiver could go a long way for the Ravens, not even just in the regular season, because uh, during the regular season, they're going to be fine. They're going to be one of the best teams in the NFL. Uh, but the big thing is their playoff success, which they were a huge disappointment last year. Uh, and I expect them to be a bit of a disappointment this year as well. But if they could get a number one guy for Lamar Jackson, uh, if Julio Jones is on, on the trading block, I think they should go all in for him. Even if a guy like uh, A.J. Green maybe is on the trading block, I would uh, try and make a move for him. And you probably really wouldn't have to give up much value for an older player who's dealt with injuries and is on the last year of his contract with him being franchise tagged. Uh I think there's going to be guys out there that's going to be available for the Baltimore Ravens, and they just need to do all they can to go all in on it. Uh, for the Buffalo Bills, they have improved the backfield depth. Uh, I can agree with this one as well. Uh, they say in this article that they're uh, 27th in rushing attack, which is uh, pretty interesting, as I do like Devis, Devin Singletary, uh, and I like the rookie Zach Moss, uh, but they've been a bit underwhelming and have definitely underachieved uh, uh, Josh Allen has been uh, their biggest like rushing attack, and I definitely could see the rationale behind trying to get uh, some more depth in that backfield, or even for me, maybe not even getting more depth, but maybe trying to get some star power in that backfield, because if the Bills want to go all in, they're going to uh, have to be effective in the running game as well, especially with Josh Allen still uh, making some mistakes here and there that are really frustrating. Sometimes they're going to have to rely more on the running game and their defense when Josh Allen is having a game uh, like he's had in, in the past couple of games. And even though they do have TJ Yeldon, who's averaging seven uh, yards per carry, he's only ran the ball 10 times, and he had a big 34-yard uh, run that inflated that. So I can definitely see the rationale behind that, and it would make sense for the Buffalo Bills to try and get uh, some better uh, running back help for the Carolina Panthers, we got look to add uh, young talent and draft capital. Completely agree with this one. Uh, I really like their coaching staff, and I like a lot of the young players on that team. Uh, and they've actually been surprising. They've been pretty decent so far this season, but I would really like to see them just go all in on this youth movement uh, and blow it up and uh, really just try and get as many young, talented players as you can and believe in some of your young guys. Guys like Brian Burns, I love a ton. I think Brian Burns is going to be incredible in the NFL. Uh, and I think what, uh, they're going to draft pretty well. Uh, just like a lot of people in this organization, I like Matt Rule a ton. Uh, I like Joe Brady. Uh, Teddy Bridgewater is pretty decent. He's nothing special, but he's a decent starting quarterback. Uh, and I just don't think them being 3-3 three and three is like the best thing for them, even though you're happy to see success, you're happy to see them winning some games. I would honestly like them to just go in the direction of just trying to get a higher draft pick and then uh, building through the draft, especially in a pretty talented division with teams like the Saints, who even though they've underachieved, they still got uh, good players on that roster and have very good coaching. And then a team uh, like the Buccaneers, who are very, very good and are looking scary, uh, but at a certain point, uh, they're probably not going to be super great because Tom Brady is an older player who's on a two-year contract. And maybe they could just try and build uh, young talent, especially, like I said, uh, Tom Brady's an older quarterback. Drew Brees is an older quarterback. And Matt Ryan's an older quarterback. So maybe you build for the future, uh, 
don't exactly try and win now and then you can dominate uh, this division in the next couple of years instead. So I definitely agree with Bleacher Report on that one. Uh, the Chicago Bears add a wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I could definitely agree with this. Allen Robinson is incredible, one of the best receivers in the NFL. Uh, and Nick Foles has been pretty decent. Uh, but he hasn't been anything special, and I think uh, another receiver could definitely uh, help them be better. They are 5-1, and one, but I've talked about multiple times how I'm not a big believer in them and how it's not been a very convincing 5-1 and one start for them. And I think in uh, for a big uh, a big reason because is uh, that they don't really have a lot of firepower on offense, and uh, another receiver that could really make them more dynamic would definitely help that. So I can definitely agree on that as... Uh, their passing attack hasn't been anything special, and uh, they need a number two guy next to uh, Allen Robinson for sure. Next, for the Cincinnati Bengals, we got improved Joe Burrow's pass protection completely. He's been absolutely abused and attacked during these games, and it is very scary some of the hits he's been taking because he's a young guy who they believe in a ton. He's a phenomenal player who was the number one pick for them, so you really got to uh, protect that guy and this offensive line is really really bad he just never has time to throw he has to make uh, incredible plays all the time uh, he's been sacked 24 times already uh, which is very very bad he's been pressured on 22.6 percent of his dropbacks that's just atrocious and yeah this offensive line is has almost no talent at all and it's just very very bad so I would definitely agree with Bleacher Report that they need to make a move to protect Joe Burrow and protect their franchise guy. The Cleveland Browns, we got strength in the secondary. Uh, I can't agree with that. They do have a very, very good uh, pass rushing with Miles Garrett, who's been going off so far, but they are 27th in pass defense and 30th in points allowed, and they have dealt with some injuries. Uh, Grant Delpit, who I really believed in and I thought was going to have a great year for this Browns team, uh, got injured uh, before the season even started and is out for the year. Uh, Greedy Williams has been on IR for a bit, and they definitely have a bit of uh, lack lack of uh, depth right now for sure. So if they could get some guys who uh, can fill in for those injured players, they don't even have to get like a ridiculous, talented player, but uh, maybe they sign a guy like Earl Thompson. Uh He's still on the free agent market as even though it looked like he was going to sign with the Texans, I guess that's just falling apart uh, and that hasn't come to life. And even though everyone's acting like the Browns are an awful team because they got blown out by the Steelers, it was an embarrassing loss. Uh, definitely don't get me wrong on that, but they're still 4-2 and two, and they're playoff contenders. They have lost to the two other teams in their division that are going to be uh, playoff teams in the Ravens and Steelers, but they've been able to beat other decent teams like the Colts. So I don't think it's time to panic about the Browns. I think it's just time to, uh, like they said, improve that secondary, try and get some more depth and try and get some more talent uh, in there to uh, really take advantage of this opportunity to potentially make a playoff push. Uh, the, the Dallas Cowboys try and unload a hefty contract. Um, I can agree with this, try and get, uh, rid of some of the bigger contracts on uh, that roster because they have a lot of them. Uh, they're a very, very expensive team, and they're going to have to pay Dak Prescott. We've really seen the value of Dak Prescott in these games that they don't have him. So I can definitely agree with them uh, trying to free up some money because, yeah, they have a lot of super expensive players on that team. Honestly, an Ezekiel Elliott move, 
Uh, I would love to see because Ezekiel Elliott has been incredibly disappointing. And running backs are a replaceable position, even though uh, Zeke is very talented. It is, at the end of the day, the most replaceable position, and he's gotten paid a lot of money. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence, maybe, because he's been very disappointing so far, even though I just think that's a lack of health on the defensive line next to him, as uh, all the team's focus is going to be just stopping uh, Demarcus Lawrence, at least for the defensive line. Or maybe even Amari Cooper. I could definitely understand uh, Bleacher Report's rationale in saying that. The Denver Broncos strengthen the secondary. Uh, I mean, I could agree with this. Their uh, strong safety position could definitely use some help. Uh, and they haven't been uh, great in the passing defense. Uh, but at the same time, it's like they've dealt with so many injuries that I really don't uh, have that much of a gauge for this team. Uh, Justin Simmons is a phenomenal free safety, one of the most underrated players in the NFL. Uh, so, I mean, I guess I could agree, but at this point, I just don't think the Broncos should make any moves. I think they should just wait for them to be healthy, wait for uh, Drew Locke to continue to improve, wait for his weapons like Cortland Sutton uh, to be back, and I think they'll be back next year and have a very good season, but this just isn't the year for them, to be honest. Uh, next, we got the Lions improve the run defense. Uh, yeah, I, I could definitely agree with that. They did uh, recently lose some uh people on the defensive line in these past couple of years guys like snack uh, snacks harrison was phenomenal for them on the de- defensive line and i mean overall this team just isn't very great uh their secondary has been pretty decent they did draft jeff okuda very high they signed uh, desmond trufon they traded for deron herman so now they're only f- uh 15th in the past when they were worse in the past last year but yeah they are 29th against uh the run so that's definitely understandable for why they would want to improve that run defense. But there's just this team that's uh, they're so mid that I don't really know what to think about them because I don't know what direction they should go in. I feel like they're just going to be like 7-9 and nine this year, which I feel like is just the epitome of a directionless team, especially when they don't really have that much young talent on the roster. If a team like, say, the Miami Dolphins went 7-9 and nine, and they have a lot of young talent on the roster with a very good coaching staff then I think that would be good for them. But a team like the Lions, who has a lot of older players, guys like Matthew Stafford, who is an older quarterback, uh, that just shows that they're really directionless right now. And I don't know what to think about the Lions, to be honest. Uh, The Green Bay Packers strengthen the receiving corps. I completely agree with that. They do have a very, very talented number one receiver in Devontae Adams. And they have some guys like Adam Lazard, who's been stepping up and playing some good football. But uh, in these past couple weeks, they have been dealing with some injuries. And you do want to see them just try and maximize uh, these last couple years of Aaron Rodgers really being as great as he is, especially with him uh, having his contract through 2023 uh, and them drafting Jordan Love. I expect after his contract is over, they'll move on for him. Uh, you probably just want to maximize all this talent that they have left uh, and this window of, of opportunity that they have as even though they did have an embarrassing loss to the Buccaneers where they played atrocious and the Buccaneers played phenomenal, uh, uh, they're still our team that has a ton of talent and is very well coached and is a team that could compete for a Super Bowl. So I think uh, another receiver to help out Aaron Rodgers or tight end would be uh, definitely useful for sure. Uh, the Houston Texans sell, sell, sell. Uh, yeah, I can definitely agree with that. I mean, 
they're in a weird position because the Dolphins uh, have their first and second round picks. So obviously they're not trying to be bad, but they just are bad. This team is awful. Uh, they really don't have any help for Deshaun Watson, even though rec- the receiving core is pretty decent. They don't really have another number one guy. Uh, the running game is really bad. The offensive line is terrible. The defense is bad. Just everything about this team is very, very uh, bad and disappointing. Deshaun Watson has been pretty decent, especially just considering the terrible circumstances he's been put under. But yeah, I, I mean, I would sell and try and get some uh, draft picks, try and get some young players. But it, it's just weird uh, considering that they don't have their first or second round pick. Uh, the Indianapolis Colts look to add draft capital. Honestly, I don't really agree on this. Uh, the Colts are 4-2 and two so far. They've been playing some pretty decent football. And I would just uh, do everything you can uh, to try and make a playoff run. Uh, even though, I mean, I could understand the rationale of getting some more draft capital. I like the direction they're going in. I like a lot of the players on this roster. Phillip Rivers uh, has been a little bit disappointing uh, just because he is going to be a player who always makes a lot of bad mistakes. And you should just kind of expect this at this point. But they have a good running game, good defense, good coaching. And I just honestly don't agree uh, with them trying to get a draft capital unless they didn't have to give up a player who, uh, like, really impacts their winning that much. If they could give up a backup uh, player, then, of course, try and get some more draft capital. That's obviously the right move, but... With the direction they're going in, I would honestly just try and uh, stay good, stay competitive. And if you do like a guy like Trey Lance or Justin Fields, then you can try and trade up for him in the draft. But I wouldn't try and move for uh, draft capital right now. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars add draft capital. Yeah, I mean, they already have uh, a lot of draft picks in the future as they traded a a lot of the uh, players with talent on their roster. And Gardner Minshew has been playing some good football with them, uh, and they've been playing decent football. Uh, They stay competitive in most of the games, but they don't really uh, win that many of them. So honestly, I would just uh, keep trying to fight in games, even though you're probably going to lose. They have a lot of nice young players on that roster. Josh Allen is uh, really impressive. DJ Chark is very good, and James Robinson uh, has been very impressive considering that he's an undrafted player. Uh, but I would try and trade basically any any of their older players and just try and get as much draft capital as they can because, I mean, you can never have too many draft picks. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs improve the run defense. Uh, yeah, I guess. That's uh, really their only weakness. Uh, they rank 30th in rushing yards allowed, so I can definitely understand that for sure. Uh, they got uh, ran on a lot by Josh Jacobs, so I can definitely understand that for sure. Uh, They're just a team that really doesn't have that many flaws anyway. Uh, They got the best quarterback in the league. They just signed Le'Veon Bell. They got a ridiculous receiving core, great tight end. Uh, The offensive line is something that they can improve on, though, for sure, because that's been something that's been super disappointing about them is that offensive line. So, honestly, that'd probably be the the direction I'd go in, but I can definitely uh, understand why they'd want to improve that run defense, too. Uh, The Las Vegas Raiders bolster the pass for us. Uh, Yeah, I can understand that for sure. They haven't really got uh, much uh, pressure on the quarterback. And uh, overall, their defense just isn't very impressive so far. Uh, But that offense has been very, very good. Uh, Max Crosby is a great 
uh, edge rusher for them. But I would like to see them uh, maybe get a guy to pair along with him to put a little bit less pressure on him uh, so he can be more consistent. And they've only got seven sacks so far. Uh, and they're a team that definitely can fight for a playoff spot. So I would try and go all in and just try and be as good of a team as possible. And I think uh, getting some better pass rush could definitely help that out. Uh, the Chargers, we got strength in the offensive line. 100% agree with this. Uh, you got to protect your young guy. It's a very similar situation that the Bengals are in with Joe Burrow, where they've really not uh, given Justin Herber anything easy. He's been putting a ton of pressure on him, and he's made a lot of uh, great plays out of it, and has made some magical plays where he's just avoiding defenders in such a beautiful fashion. Uh, but you got to protect your franchise guy, so I would definitely try and uh, improve that offensive line any way you can because uh, you do not want him getting injured at all, and he's just so, so good. Uh, the Rams improved their run defense. Uh, I mean, yeah, I can understand that. They really don't have that many flaws, to be honest. Uh, they've been just pretty impressive so far. They don't really have one thing that stands out. Uh their running game has been very good. The passing game has been pretty good. Jared Goff is having a good season. The defense has been uh, pretty solid. Aaron Donald has had a ridiculous season so far. So, honestly, if I was the Rams, I would just uh, kind of stay tight where you are and just keep trying to win games. Uh, the Dolphins add young players or running back. I could definitely agree with that, uh, especially the running back. Uh, I would love to see them try and get a dynamic running back next to Tua Tungvaloa. Maybe they wait to do that in the draft uh, or try and get a guy that's undrafted next year because we've seen that work out for many teams. Uh, but if they could do that now also, that'd be an exciting thing. And yeah, I would uh, try and add as many young players as possible, uh, maybe some draft picks. And uh, the Dolphins are in a perfect position because like I said earlier with the uh, Texans having... Uh, both of their picks to the Dolphins. Uh, they don't even have to try and lose games because the Texans are doing that for them. Uh, so they're going to have draft capital that's uh, nice and puts them in a good position as well as having good coaching staff, good young players. And honestly, all they really need is a running back, and I think they'd be in a good position. The Vikings try and move Kirk Cousins. Yeah, can definitely agree on this. At this point, I just think they should uh, go all out on losing as many games as possible. I think we're seeing that too with them trading Yannick Ngakwe so early, especially with him having a good season. It's not like he's disappointed at all so far. So yeah, I would try and maybe trade Kirk Cousins, especially with how disappointing he's been so far this season. He's been very, very underwhelming for this team. Maybe trade a guy like Adam Thielen. I would just go all in on getting young assets and and uh, going all in on more of a tanking direction. The Patriots strengthen the receiving corps. Yep, completely agree with that. Uh, either the receiving, uh, either get a receiver or a tight end uh, for sure. Because, man, especially we've seen last week uh, with how they played the Denver Broncos, they absolutely need some receiving help. That was a massive issue last week as really no one was getting open for Cam Newton. And he's not one of those guys who has good enough accuracy to try and throw receivers that really aren't open open so yeah they can uh, definitely have some help there we saw john ross uh, request a trade and i think he could be a player that would be perfect for the patriots uh they would put him in 
a position where he uh, can contribute to the team. But if he's not contributing, he's not going to play. They're going to make him work hard. They're putting him in a good culture. And he's obviously very talented. He's one of the most athletic receivers in the league with his ridiculous speed. He's also shown the ability to be uh, decent at catching the ball, even though he has at some uh, points uh, had issues with uh, concentration drops. That's definitely something uh, that he needs to work on. But, yeah, he's a super talented player, so I would like to see that. Or I would like to see a tight end for sure because the tight end position is super weak for them, even though they did draft two in the most uh, recent draft. The Saints, we got at a receiver. Uh, I can agree with that for sure as well, especially with uh, Michael Thomas continually uh, dealing with uh, lingering injuries. And it's really just shown like the lack of depth they have at the receiver position. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders has had a decent receiver. Uh, receiving year so far but they've really had to rely on Alvin Kamara to be a pass catcher out of the backfield and uh, for him to run the ball a lot too especially with Drew Brees really just not having the arm that he used to so you're going to need some more receiving help to try and carry uh, Drew Brees's uh, disappointing season so far so I can definitely agree with that I would love them to see a move especially if they want to try and go all in Uh, the New York Giants got strength in the offensive line uh Again, they're in a very similar position to the Chargers, to the Bengals, where they have a young quarterback who does have some potential, uh, even though he hasn't looked great so far in Daniel Jones. Uh, and you got to protect guys like that, especially with Daniel Jones' fumbling issue. You absolutely have to get some better protection for him. And even though uh, Andrew Thomas has been very impressive so far uh, and has improved a lot and has looked very uh, good for them. Overall, the offensive line still isn't great. They do have another uh, good offensive lineman in uh, Kevin Zeitler, but other than that, the offensive line is terrible and definitely could use some work. The New York Jets weaken the roster. I mean, what can you do about the New York Jets? They're just awful, so I guess just try and lose as many games as you can and try and get the number one pick, even though... Uh, They don't even have to try to lose games. They just lose games because they're a terrible team that's terribly run with a terrible coach. And, yeah, I don't really have much to say about the uh, the Jets at all. The Eagles try uh, look to deal Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, That is uh, something that I could definitely see them do uh, because he's been a player that it seems like ever since he's gone to the Eagles, he really just hasn't played that much because he's dealt with injuries consistently. So you may want to just get that contract off the books. Uh, We've seen them be somewhat successful without him. We've seen guys like Travis Fulgham step up. So yeah, I would definitely uh, wouldn't be surprised if they tried to trade him, but I also wouldn't be surprised if they tried to keep him and hope that he can be a healthy, but yeah, uh, 15.4 million cap pip that, that is a lot, so I could definitely try to see them moving that. Uh, the Steelers examine options for replacing Devin Bush. Definitely understand that one with him being injured. He was a great piece for them so far this season, and he tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the season, uh, and it's going to definitely hurt that defense a lot, uh, and it's a big blow for them. So they will definitely need to try and make some moves to replace him uh, obviously, you're not going to get a player as talented as him, but even if they just get a replacement-level player who can come in and just play decent football, then I, I think that'd be a good move for them. Uh, the 49ers bolster the pass rush. Definitely agree on that. Uh, that's something that w- made them so great last year, and it's really not their fault that it hasn't been the same this year. Uh, they've just dealt with a ton of injuries, 
and I could understand them trying to make that move, or I could also understand them uh, maybe even trading some of their players for some draft capital and just kind of moving on to next year because with these injuries, it's not like they're going to make a Super Bowl run again. Uh, They just have too many uh, great players injured. The Nick Boza and Solomon Thomas loss really, really hurt them, and their pass rush is clearly hurt by that a lot. Uh, the Seattle Seahawks add a quality ed- edge rusher. I completely agree. Their pass rush has honestly been really bad. Uh, I wish Jadavion Clowney would have re-signed with uh, them because even though he hasn't been really great for the Titans, uh, he would at least be more of a threat for that defensive line. And, yeah, they definitely need help on that side of the ball. Uh, their uh, sacks just haven't been anything, to be honest. Uh, it says in this, yeah, no player has more than two sacks. Three have come from Jamal Adams, it's and uh, defensive tackle Jerron Reed. Yeah, they really just don't have any uh, uh, help on the edge at all. Uh, so I could definitely understand them trying to go all in uh, for the Super Bowl because they're uh, the Chiefs have shown that even though they're a great team, do, do not get me wrong, they're not this unbeatable perfect team. They have weaknesses that a team like the Seattle Seahawks could take advantage of and could. Uh, win a Super Bowl this season, so I would definitely understand them just going all in, maybe not even caring about draft capital, even though they have already given some of that up. Uh, for Jamal Adams, they could go even more all in. Uh, and then for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, we got to improve the path protection. Uh, I can definitely understand that. Uh, it hasn't been terrible, but it also hasn't been perfect. Uh, so I can understand that the running game has been really good for them. The receiving core is great. Uh, Gronk has looked better. The defense is incredible. So, I mean, that's only the, uh, that's like the only weakness for them. And it's not even that big of a weakness, honestly, as long as they can just focus on, uh, being more disciplined and not having much penalties, then I don't think they really have to worry about making any moves at the deadline. Uh, next, we got the Titans improving the run defense. Uh, yeah, their defense has definitely been disappointing so far this season. Uh, the offense has been electric with Derrick Henry having a ridiculous season so far. Ryan Tannehill looking like one of the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, they're averaging almost 33 points uh, per game, but they are 26th in run defense and 30th in uh, yards per attempt allowed. So, yeah, they definitely need to improve on the run defense. And overall, this defense uh, can definitely use some work. Uh, but that offense being so electric, maybe th- that could still carrying, uh, carry them to being one of the best teams in the NFL, and it looks like it has so far. Uh, the football team trying to trade Dwayne Haskins. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's looked like they've completely given up on him, so yeah, maybe it's time before he just has absolutely no value to try and uh, ship him off to a team, and I think he can be good with another team for sure, so... Uh, I would, yeah, I would definitely look at trading Dwayne Haskins and getting any value out of him, because uh, I'm sure I, some other team would believe in him and potentially being a franchise quarterback. Because uh, I feel like they have the lowest view on him that any team does. But yeah, that I really hope you enjoyed this episode of the Under Pressure Podcast. This was a great one, and yeah, it's been Michael. Peace out.